0: Hey everybody, back at it, and uh, sounding better today. I think Justin is a little less under the weather, and I got that cable fixed. <laughs> Had to record on a freaking webcam yesterday, it was terrible, it was awful. Now I get my mixer back, I get to use one of my nice microphones, and we get to bring you Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. We're gonna try to do two pods a week during football season. During football season. Hold me to that, but I'm gonna hold you to the during football season part and uh, this is the second of those two pods this week as we get ready for the Oregon Ducks going to Atlanta on Saturday and battling the defending national champions let's start here my friend yesterday you and I talked about why we think Georgia's going to win this game and and we warned people this is a loaded roster they recruit like hell they've got great coaches and what did your readers say? All those things are true about Oregon. The Ducks recruit like hell. They got Dan Lanning, Georgia's old DC, as their head coach. The Ducks can win this game. So I want to turn that around to you. How can the Ducks win this game?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the same thing that that is going to apply to this game applies to most games, right? You, clearly, if you're Oregon, you can't turn the ball over, right? I mean, that's going to be probably first and foremost. You can't give away possessions, uh, you can't, you know, dig yourself into a hole. Uh, they're going to have to play a relatively clean, uh, and I don't want to call it a perfect game, but you just really can't put yourself in a hole. So I think that that's one element to what, you know, Oregon's going to have to do. I know it's going to be incredibly hard, and I don't debate this, but you're still going to have to figure out a way to run the football against Georgia. You know, you might need to lean on your pass game a little bit more, but you can't just drop back and pass every attempt. You're going to have to be able to figure out a way to run the ball and at least make them respect that to some degree. So I think those are a couple of keys there. Um, You know, the one thing, though, the Georgia offense doesn't really strike fear into me. You know what I mean? Like, you don't look at this team and think, oh, man, they're going to put up 45 points on you because right. they've got a killer offense. I think they've got a good enough offense. They can score points, and there's no doubt that your number one priority is trying to limit what Brock Bowers does to you because he's a special generational-type player. But I think if you're Oregon's defense and you're looking at this game and you say we're playing Georgia, you don't really have to do anything super special than other you know, other than being where you're supposed to be you know, sound tackling, trying to limit any big explosive plays, Um, and I think really trying to get this team to, you know, quote-unquote, beat you. So, I I mean, that's the way I see it. I think in terms of Oregon's offense, they've got a a tougher time ahead of them. And I know Georgia lost a lot of players, guys that went to the NFL, guys that uh, Dan Lanning coached, a bunch of first-round picks. But the thing about uh, the schools like Georgia and Alabama, they just reload. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> most, te- most teams lose that kind of talent and you maybe take a step back for a year or maybe two years, get the next wave through there. And, uh, you know, for Georgia, it's like, nope, next man's in. You know, this guy's probably going to be a first-round pick in the, in the next year or two, and and credit to them. So I, I know that, like, today, you know, you and I recorded yesterday and today uh, 24-7 Sports did their uh, team talent composite. And Oregon was at number seven, and I didn't look to see where Georgia was, but I would imagine it was probably in the upper two or three. And, you know, while you look at that and you say, well, it's only like, we'll just say five spots away or whatever. right? It's a pretty big five spots away, <laughs> you know, from where, you know, where Oregon's at and where they're at. I mean, I, credit to Oregon. They've clearly got one of the most talented teams in the Pac-12 but again, you're talking about a talented team in the Pac-12 versus one of the most talented teams in the SEC, and those two things just are not the same thing.
0: Yeah, I, I'm always reminded of uh, a quote. This is this is a Lane Kiffin quote from probably, gosh, 15, 16 years ago now. It's when he left USC and took the Raiders job way back when, and he said, he said the biggest difference between taking that uh, Raiders job versus being Pete Carroll's lead recruiter at USC is with the Raiders. I get one first round pick with USC. I get 20 first round picks. And, and I think w- what, what you can take away from that idea is when you are a program at the pinnacle of college football, like USC was 20 years ago, like Alabama and Georgia are right now, um, I, I think the gulf in talent between you and, like you said, even a team that's number seven in that composite, even a team that's top ten in that composite, the gulf between those teams at the top and those teams just below the top is a huge gulf of talent. And, and so my, my gut says that Oregon won't be able to win this game that they won't be able to do the things they need to do, um, but I'm I'm with you. I think the recipe is there. If you watch the Ohio State game last year, C.J. Verdell goes off because the Ducks established the run. Um, I think Byron Cardwell is a home run hitter in that backfield, and if they give him a shot against Georgia, there's a chance he takes that shot 90 yards. Right? He is an incredible talent. I could see him having a breakout game. Um, I think that. Kenny Dillingham's scheme is going to be fascinating to watch. If they can get positive yardage on first and second downs and speak to what you're saying about playing efficiently and protecting the football and not making mistakes, I want to see this team line up on third down and try some deep strikes. Because the other game that I'm, I've am got on my mind is the SEC title game last year. Right, That's how Alabama beat Georgia. Is, is they took some shots and they threw deep down the field. And, and I, I'm not saying the Ducks will play that way. Um, I think the Ducks could play that way. And I think if they do that, there's a chance they get some big plays on this team that Georgia really doesn't see coming. You know, I mean, they're they're looking at Oregon tape from the last couple of years and looking at what this roster does well. They see a lot of smash mouth football guys, and Dan Lanning comes in and he's got that mentality, smash mouth football. But Kenny Dillingham as his OC, I think, could give a a different flavor to this attack. Uh, I'm still going to pick Georgia. I think Georgia's the more talented team, and it really just comes down to that. You know, they out recruit Oregon every year, but I I do think there is a shot. A couple of aggressive plays, a couple of big strikes, some play action, a solid running game. There's a chance Oregon wins this one.
1: Yeah, and, and I think uh, you know what I said yesterday is something I, I still agree with. You're catching Georgia in the first game. They're more than likely going to make some mistakes, mistakes that they probably won't make three, four, five, seven weeks down the road. And I think if you're Oregon, you're more than likely going to make some mistakes, too. But if you can make less and if you can capitalize on their mistakes, you've got a shot at, you know, what I'm going to say is keeping this game close. I still think Georgia wins. And I'm not saying there's no chance that Oregon doesn't win. Uh, you know, the, just their margin of error is, you know, a little bit less or a lot less, if you will. But I, I still think that, you know, uh, Oregon can win. I don't want Duck fans to think like, oh, Matt and, and, and Justin just think Oregon has no chance on this game. Uh, we definitely think Oregon has a chance in this game. There's just gonna they're just gonna need some things to go the right way. Right. And uh, you know, if that happens, we'll let's you know, let's go with it and, and see how that goes. Uh Lord knows I will definitely enjoy my, my sight a lot more if Oregon can win. So I'm pulling for that. But being the realist that I am and the and and, and putting emotion aside and trying to look at this like Vegas does, odds are Georgia wins this football game. I'll be happy. I'll be incredibly happy if 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 Oregon manages to keep this game relatively close and can get back home healthy and say, hey, look, you know what? We didn't win this football game, but, you know, we did some pretty good things. And, uh, you know, now we're looking forward to the rest of our schedule.
0: 100 percent. So so that's the best case scenario for Oregon. We we, we dove in more detail on this game yesterday. So now I want to have some fun questions for you. Um, best case scenario for Justin Hopkins. What are you drinking on Saturday?
1: Uh well, if I can get rid of this cold, I feel like I can answer that a lot better, but um yeah, so at the moment I don't I don't have drinking in the uh in the forefront here, but um you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, take a trip last week to Nashville, which is a super fun city. Oh yeah. Uh had a lot of fun, but uh did a lot of of non-beer drinking and i'm kind of looking forward to just maybe getting back to like my 805 and and lime kind of staple and uh going with that and the second reason being this game's at 12 30 so i'm not gonna start <laughs> i'm not gonna start ripping shots of whiskey at 12 30 in the right. afternoon on a saturday i'd also like to watch the rest of, of college football on saturday so i want to be be able to enjoy that as well
0: yeah well, I, you know, I'd recommend if, if your cold is still bothering you on Saturday, then it's probably time for some hot toddies.
1: Yeah, it won't be. I'll, I'll be <laughs> done with this thing. Yeah. I, uh, I assure you, I, I think I'm a little, I think I'm a little better than I was yesterday. So maybe if I can get through today and, uh, put it behind me, hopefully.
0: Yeah. See, I, um, I, um, you know, I, if you follow me on Twitter and, and I'm, I'm saying this is like the global you, not the singular you, cause you already know all these updates, but. I uh, recently turned in my two weeks notice with my radio station. It just was time. I'm I'm, I'm getting up there. I'm married, changing priorities in my life and, and want something that's going to pay me a little better so that I can better provide for my wife and, and live with a lot less stress every month about paying our bills. And um, anyway, so my, my Friday night is freed up and this is the first time I've gotten Friday night the opening week of high school football season, off in nine years. And so uh, a friend of mine in Roseburg reached out, and he's going to be broadcasting uh, the uh, Roseburg high school football game up here in Beaverton against Mountainside High School. And I'm going to help him out with the camera. And he said, I'll throw you a six-pack of beer. So I, I'm i going to – we're still working out what – he's gonna bring me Joey Kieran down in Roseburg. I think I think I told him to just find me a six pack of calderas because up here I can't really find a lot of caldera beers. Uh, you know, the really? lawnmower well the lawnmower is everywhere, right? Because right, they, they have right. that crazy distribution deal where every grocery store from from here to uh to Texas gets the lawnmower lager for like six bucks a pack. Uh, but I'm thinking like some Ashland Amber's or I, I love When I lived in in talent, um, I used to be able to pick up the uh, coconutty blonde at my local grocery store in talent or or sometimes even you might find like the uh, hibiscus ginger or some of the more exotic stuff. So I'm just assuming like he's, you know, down in Roseburg, closer to the brewery. I'm assuming he can get me a nice six pack of caldera that I'll enjoy on Saturday.
1: Yeah, more more than likely. I'm sure he can do that. It's it's everywhere down here. Uh, for sure. But yeah. So yeah, that'll be the plan. First thing is obviously to get healthy and then, uh, and then, you know, get ready for uh Saturday's game. I'm definitely, I am, I am more than a little bit excited for college football, which obviously starts later tonight yeah. uh, as we're re- re- recording this on Thursday.
0: Right. Right. And we got five games coming up after this, but uh, following up on that question, what's the ideal meal for Justin Hopkins?
1: Uh, I mean, anything barbecue or wings or just kind of that, you know, any of that stuff is is definitely uh, my favorites. You know, oftentimes most of the games um, I get together with friends and there's, you know, somewhere between six and 15 of us and everybody brings a dish. So, you know, those are always the best because, you know, people right. are generally making them and bringing different dips and different things. So those are always fun as well. So. Um, but yeah. And then if, you know what, if I'm in a hurry and, and, you know, like this game for instance, being at 1230, which makes it hard to barbecue, I guess just order pizza and roll with it.
0: Yeah. See, that's always been my approach. Like I, I tend, if it's, if it's a team I care about, I get stressed, you know? So if it's a big Oregon game or especially on Sundays, my Raiders have a big game, I, I I'm not going to lie. I get drunk because <laughs> I don't want to like I don't want to pull my hair out getting stressed. So I, I definitely get a little toasted. I'll get some nice beer or or last year I had some some wedding gifts from a fraternity brother. I had some really nice whiskey that I was sipping on every Sunday. Um, and then in that scenario, I don't want to cook because I know if I've had too many then I'm going to, you know, screw something up if I try to cook on the grill. And so I try to just, you know, put a little money away to either order a pizza or do something mindless. Like, you know, when I'm getting my groceries, I might pick up some supplies to make sandwiches, something that I don't have to, you know, light on fire and burn to death.
1: Super easy. Yeah, super easy. Yeah.
0: All right, man. Well, uh, without further ado. Uh, we're, we're knocking off all the things I wanted to hit on today. Uh, two short pods this week as we get you ready for the Oregon-Georgia game. Let's introduce a segment we do all season long during college football season. It's my favorite thing that we do because it, it turns a Ducks podcast into something wider. We're talking about college football as a whole. This is five games we think you should watch. It goes like this. We know you're going to watch the Oregon-Georgia game at 1230. We also know, as Justin said earlier, it's a big, whole, action-packed day of college football, full of games, and we want to tell you what we're going to watch and what we think you should watch Saturday that's not the Oregon-Georgia game. I'll go first. It's in the first slot right after college game day, and I have to admit, It was the best of the worst. There's a lot of bad games in this window. But I'm putting this one down because I think there's upset potential. Colorado State at number 8 Michigan, 9 a.m. on ABC. Harbaugh wanted to go to the NFL last year. He, he, He wanted an interview with the Vikings. He wanted that Vikings job. They didn't give it to him. I think Jim Harbaugh knows something in Michigan. I don't think he likes the talent that returned back to this Michigan team that went to the playoff. I want to see if Michigan gets upset on Saturday.
1: Well, and I, I think he also knew something else in the fact that he had his one chance to cash in on beating Ohio State, and he did that, and uh, that's probably going to be the one he gets, mm-hmm. uh, it, but as far as I could tell. So. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I still, I have a tough time buying Michigan stock. Um, you know, I know that your dad's a Harbaugh fan, but I've never really been one. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I could see that. I didn't have that on my, uh, didn't have that on my radar. So I'm glad you brought it up, but that's, that would definitely be something. And, uh, heck, even if they can manage to keep it close, that would definitely be uh, a pretty big storyline as well. <coughs> I had uh mine I think are mostly pretty obvious just because there's a decent slate mm-hmm. of good games, but um and I just listed mine in order of of the ones I liked from most to least. So first one for me is Notre Dame, Ohio State. Gotta watch that game. Oh that's yeah. That's four thirty. Yeah. On a Saturday. So in terms of me having the top one, that's my number one on my list is Notre Dame and Ohio State. Gonna be a great game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I flirted with not putting that one down, and and the only reason why is I knew you were gonna put it down. Like it's sure, when when you have a game like that, it's so obvious. I'm like, yes, yes, we need to see Marcus Freeman and his first game at the helm of the Irish. There's a lot of hype about him. There's a lot of hype about that team this year because they don't have an empty cupboard. You know, I I heard somebody say on I think Finebaum the other day. You know, well Brian Kelly left for a reason. Yeah. He didn't leave because his cupboard was bare. He left because LSU backed up a Brinks truck. Um, so I, I think that could be a really compelling game. Four thirty on ABC, Notre Dame, Ohio State, two Blue Bloods. And then um, the, the third game on my list, because I had that Notre Dame, Ohio State one too. Third game for me, it's twelve thirty on ESPN. I know that's gonna conflict with the Oregon, Georgia game. So this is like the game you watch when Oregon, Georgia is in the commercial break. Number twenty-three, Cincy. Number nineteen, Arkansas. I, I think it's simply the best game in that window if you need something during the commercial breaks.
1: Yeah. I have the same game. So yeah, pretty pretty straightforward, top twenty-five matchup, kind of interesting to see, you know, if Cincinnati's a good team again. Uh, if Arkansas is for real, they keep getting a lot of love. Um, so yeah, that one's an, that was another one that it looks like both you and I have, uh, and an obvious no-brainer there. Uh, the the second that was my third uh, game, my number three game. The the second one I have in between there is Utah Florida. Yeah. I think that's another another no-brainer. See if what Utah looks like this year. They've lost some guys. They got a lot of hype. I think they return a pretty good team. Um, so yeah, yeah, Utah, Florida was my number two. So that's three of my, that's my top three right there that I currently had written down. That game is a narrative
0: buster. I, I can't wait to see what happens because if you're in Pac-12 country, the narrative is this is Kyle Whittingham's best team. This is the the final the first time and maybe the only time he ever gets a a good quarterback. He's got a great defense. This is a team that could go all the way. If you live in Pac-12 country, you've been hearing that narrative for the last eight months, right? And in SEC country, the narrative is Utah can't go into the swamp. And I want to see if that holds true. I, I want to see, I want to see which narrative wins out. Like Utah, can they go into the swamp and beat Florida?
1: I want to see that. Yeah, no, it'll be a great game. Definitely excited to see that one. Um, and then number four, I actually had written down, I think most Duck fans would agree, uh, not the the best uh, matchup, but I have Rice at USC just to kind of see what happens there, what Lincoln Riley's team looks like, and uh, they should absolutely smash. Rice, but still, I'm pretty sure most Duck fans are going to keep an eye there.
0: Yeah, I I like that logic. Uh, Utah, Florida, 4 p.m. ESPN. By the way, I always like to to throw those little notes in. I didn't have the Rice USC game, but for the same reason you put down Rice and USC, I put down my last game, which is uh, number 25 BYU at USF, one o'clock on ESPN. U. I'm I'm thinking. You know, you you want to see USC. You want to see the Lincoln Riley experiment. I want to see BYU and Kalani Sitake because the Ducks got to play him in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, almost wrote that game down for the exact same reason that they're an opponent of the Ducks in a couple of weeks. So yeah, it'll be kind of kind of interesting to see how they perform and what kind of team they've got there at BYU. Uh, like you said, as they head to Oregon in a few weeks, and that'll be a you know uh, that's the thing. I don't I don't know that. It'll, Oregon fans are really uh, talking about this enough or at least prepared for it. There is, and I'm not saying it will happen, but there is potential, you know, that if that BYU team is real, you could be looking at a one and two Oregon team. Right. Potentially not saying it's going to happen. I mean, it's just, but you're looking at two top 25 teams, obviously Georgia on the road, BYU at home. I mean, uh, conceivable, you know, Oregon could be one and two the first three games of the season, which would be a horrific start in the Dan Lanning era, as far as on paper. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess we'll see. I guess, I guess we'll find out. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna jump across that bridge until I have to. Right. Uh, my last, my last game was uh, BCU at Miami. Mm. I'm pretty sure mo- most Duck fans will be watching. Yeah. Just you just want you know to see it. You just want to see it. Just you just want to see it. We just want to know. You know, is Mario gonna hog tie Van Dyke uh from being able to chuck the ball down the field in game one? Uh I I don't even need to give the storylines. Duck fans are gonna watch that game. Again, it's yeah. a twelve thirty game. I know you'll be watching the ducks, but don't lie, you'll you'll be flipping back and forth between that one and uh the Cincinnati Arkansas game too.
0: So, so yesterday, this brings up a, a, a good thing in my brain. Yesterday, I was chatting with uh, a friend of mine. He, he's Joe Tate, the general manager at Medford BMW. And uh, he, he's been a, a, a patron of my show and, and sponsor of my show for years. And uh, anyway, we're, we're just, you know, catching up. And I, I ask him, you know, what do you think about the, uh, the Ducks game on Saturday? Because he's, he's a huge Ducks fan. And we get going. And he reminds me of a theory I've had about Mario for a, for a few years. Now, I loved Mario Cristobal, had, had immense respect for him, and I remember saying, you know, Oregon should keep him as long as they can because he can win a national championship at Oregon. I still believe that to this day. But I think Mario had a flaw. He didn't know how to handle quarterbacks. And it, and it wasn't even just in the management. Like, like your question, you're wondering about, is he going to handcuff Tyler Van Dyke? Um, like the way that that Justin Herbert arguably was treated the way that Tyler Shuck and Anthony Brown arguably were treated. I'm thinking about just recruiting like you remember when there was that big push for DJU. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So DJU almost ends up a duck. And at the time, it, let's say he had committed, you and I and all the recruiting sites out there, everybody would have celebrated that. What a coup by Oregon. What a great signing by Mario Cristobal. Well, they all got to do that for Clemson when he commits to Clemson, and he might lose his job, right? He's, he hasn't really cut it out there. Right. Um, so I wonder... With that, and then and then you look at you know the development of quarterbacks and the active management of quarterbacks under Mario Cristobal, I I wonder if that's his real Achilles heel, and uh, we get to see an example of it on Saturday. How does he treat Van Dyke?
1: Well, and, it, and I'm sure that you know again it's it's a team they should be able to beat with you know one arm tied behind their back um, you know so if they come out and look pretty vanilla you know i'm sure he'll defend it with well we, you know no need to put too much on film game 1 blah 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 standard stuff but it will be an interesting storyline to track for sure yeah. at least for the for the first you know 3 4 5 games of the season to see if the trend continues if
0: you will have you watched any anthony brown preseason tape
1: uh yeah i mean i've seen i watched mostly highlights of of him and it's like pretty crazy Uh, like how good he looked. He was throwing deep. It's not like he was just running in preseason. He was actually throwing the ball and looked good. And his, you know, his, his throws were on target. And um, yeah, it's like, I mean, I don't know. I don't, the biggest one to me is just, uh, you know, when you go and you see Justin Herbert now in the NFL and, you know, I saw there was an athletic article that said his ability to process and read is among the very elite ever at the at the position and you start to think okay well those were some of the things he struggled with the most at oregon how is he elite at this but he was at oregon and you know his decision making and stuff was was not always uh you know the greatest and it's like okay where's the disconnect it's because like it just doesn't make any sense right right i don't know
0: no, it, it has to be in the play calling. It has to be in the play calling and the play design at that point, you know. And, and I think I think that speaks to and this is something that you know, we we've, we've had Hitler day on the show many times, uh, QB11 on the show many times. They love the the all 22 tape where you get that wider angle where you can see from sideline to sideline where the receivers are lined up pre-snap, what the coverage is going to be post-snap, and and the route combinations and how all that comes together. When you have the all-22, you can you can see that play design and, and uh, play call, but when you just have the TV broadcast, you don't see it. And I, I think that's where, as fans, there's a tendency, if a quarterback makes a bad throw or a receiver makes a bad play, it's our tendency to blame them, but we don't see, you know, how is the spacing on the route or or what what coverage did the defense show pre-snap and how is the quarterback trained to uh, respond to that, right? Like what are his reads? What's the progression of his reads? That's where um I I think you you just kind of have to assume it's on play calling and play design.
1: Well, and, you know, something that I had heard uh, more more towards the end of the days there, but uh, with regards to Herbert, and at the time, uh, the offensive coordinator that he worked with the most was Marcus Arroyo, of course. And, you know, something that I'd heard kind of after, which probably clears up some of this, was that, you know, Arroyo would get pretty easily, uh, like, flustered and, you know, would send in a play and then change it you know like not good like just that's not good. yeah just yeah. so you, he had he had justin herbert if you will over overthinking and confused and it certainly showed up on tape to look that way um you know would kind of panic and and call this and then you know change it at the at the last minute so i think when you kind of put those things together and you see the justin herbert you're seeing now in the nfl you know some of that stuff kind of gets validated if you will
0: yeah see I, that is not good
1: <laughs> and, I, and, I'm, and i'm about to blow my nose so i apologize for having to do this but i can't not it's so. okay
0: it's a oh. podcast you know that's yeah. that's the beauty of podcasting and i've always said the same thing with live radio too like there's no edits um or or a minimal amount of edits and we don't have our faces on screen I've always thought about doing a video stream, but you know, you're sick and my, uh, my uh, AC is off in the studio. So I don't want the lights to make it even hotter in here. And, uh, anyway, you know, it doesn't have to be the most polished thing in the world. Stuff like that makes it real sometimes.
1: Yep. No, it's, we do. I, you know, I know you, you handle it, but I know when I go back and listen, you do very minimal editing. I think people think we, you know, go back and do a lot of uh, of things to put this show together, but you're mo- for the most part, most of these podcasts, you're getting us pretty much just riffing, yeah, most and, of the time. And I like it that way, so
0: you know, I, I think, I, and and you know, me, I do this every time. It's this is the worst thing I think we could talk about because I just don't think people care that much. But, um, you know, for me as a broadcaster, I've always said I like stuff that's real, I like stuff that's raw to me, that sounds more human, so
1: yeah. Well, I can keep doing it if you guys want to, but I tried to do it as, as little as possible. So. Yeah, yeah. But that's all okay. Right. We're at the we're at the end of the pod anyway, so I can go finish now. All right, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's all we had. Uh, five games that we each think you should watch. Really, it ends up being more like seven or eight, but we agreed on a lot of them this week. and uh, And then just some last thoughts on the Ducks as they get ready for Georgia tomorrow. So, again, I hate to say it, I'm picking the dogs, but... But I'd love to be wrong. I hope Byron Cardwell has a killer game. I hope Bo Nix goes deep a couple of times in that Kenny Dillingham aggressive attacking scheme. And I hope Oregon pulls off an upset down in Atlanta that sends a notice to the college football world. Uh, Justin Hopkins is about to uh, be the next member of Stomp. My name is Matt Bagley. Thanks for listening, and go Ducks.